One. I'm TJ. And I'm Will. And this is Real, Real Talk, Talk Sports. Sports featuring sports intellect at Gardner Webb, Brendan Boylan from his show, The Butler Pantry. Yeah, The Butler's Pantry. Uh, glad to be on here with you guys. I mean, anytime. Thank anytime. you, man. We, we love, we, we're glad that you're here with us today. So, a lot going on in sports. Of course, the biggest thing in sports news, the Patriots lost. Oh my goodness, what? It's the end of the world for everybody. It's the Chiefs <laughs> beat the Patriots 42 to 27 yesterday. Tom Brady not throwing a touchdown pass at all yesterday, the first time in two years since that has happened. Of course, Alex Smith came out and shocked everybody throwing four touchdown passes. And as we'll get into that game later, a lot of stuff going on. Of course, rivals, Red Sox and Yankees get, get into controversy over, get over who's cheating and everything. So start us off, Gardner-Webb football, they take on Wyoming, who last year was the team, team to upset. Whereas the team that upset pulled out upsets. Now this year they lost to Iowa twenty-four to three last week. Their QB, who's supposed to be a number one pick in the draft, didn't do too well last week. Whereas Gardner Webb lost to A and T forty-five to three. Struggled tremendously. Tyrell Maxwell, a preseason All-American in the FCS, five for eighteen for thirty-six yards. So what does Gardner Webb need? Brendan, we'll start with you. What since you've been studying up on the Gardner Webb football team, what does Gardner Webb need to do to do well, let alone win, against a team like Wyoming. Well, Wyoming's going to be a tough opponent. I was extremely surprised Josh Allen uh, expected to start this week after su suffering an injury, pardon me, in that first game. Gardner-Webb, on the other hand, it's it's different. You have a, you're have missing a lot on the defensive side. You're missing the last two, I want to say one All-American with Chad Jeter. You're missing Aaron Cook on the other side, both do gradu graduation. Out of your... Eight leading tacklers from last year. Six of them were not present in Game One against A&T. A&T is a very good team. Yeah, I are. think one thing that went way under the radar because of Tariq Cohen was how good their defense was. Tariq Cohen being a fourth-round draft pick by the Chicago Bears mm -hmm. in the last draft. The defense five of the last six years finished number one against the run, and that's Gardner Webb's bread and butter. They played a couple different running backs, couldn't really get anything going. Cagle leading the way averaging about six yards per carry there in the first game. Tyrell Maxwell really struggled. I think a lot of it was very young line. You had to start a freshman at guard. He gets hurt throughout the game, so you have to substitute him with another freshman. Coach McCray mentioned himself he was really concerned about the depth on the offensive line. I think that showed against A&T. One thing Coach said, and I have to agree with him 100%, is Tyrell Maxwell cannot play outside of himself. And what he means by that is sometimes he does too much and he takes away from the true talent and the true All-American we saw last season. Mm -hmm. Tyrell's got to find the groove, be patient. He was 5 of 18 passing. Given It's hard to be patient when you have three defensive linemen in your face. <laughs> Tyrell's got to find a groove. I think getting... Other players involved, given you're missing Mike Estes, who was the number one receiver for Gardner-Webb last year. He was on the Los Angeles Chargers practice squad. And he got cut. And he got cut uh, with the roster being trimmed from 90 to 53 before week one. But he's got to get guys involved early, whether that be Jacob Henderson, Kyle Horton, and those running backs. It's going to be a running back by committee. You're obviously missing a, a key in Khalil Lewis from last year. But Gardner-Webb and Coach McCray's offense has always been a running back by committee. You have to get that going, and Tyrell has to have some of the pressure taken off of himself. I felt he did too much in that first game. Mm -hmm. On the defensive side, you got to find a pass rush. Mm -hmm. You had a quarterback only have three incompletions in the last game. A lot of it, he was able to roll out of the pocket, and I was extremely impressed with Kennard and his ability to keep composure outside the pocket and continue mm -hmm. to go through his progressions. you got to get pressure on the quarterback. Wyoming's going to be a tough opponent. Josh Allen, I think, will only play the first half, and Gardner-Webb's going to get torched in this one. But the one thing I do respect out of the schedule-making for Gardner-Webb, you're challenging yourself early with A&T Wyoming, and remember you come home to Western Carolina, a team that smacked you last year, yes, 44-17. So I'm respecting Gardner-Webb, seeing what they have early. But let's be honest, these first three games are going to be extremely difficult challenges for the Dogs. And it's going to be tough in the conference, especially when you got teams like Kennesaw State. Yes, they lost to Stanford, but they're the team projected to win it. And if not them, Liberty, who upset Baylor last week. So 
it's better to try and do as well as you can in non-conference game because conference, that's going to be the tough part. Will, what is your focus on all this? Okay, well, like what Brendan has said, the defense was sort of like uh, our uh, groove. Uh, that was our strong point. Um, and we lost uh, two strong uh, points in both Chad Jeter and Aaron Cook. They were phenomenal additions to the team, and uh, they were phenomenal assets. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like uh, offense is where we, we kind of weaken a little bit. We focus mostly on our running game and not so much uh, as to passing. Tyrell Maxwell only had uh, 36 yards uh, so far. Um, and uh, he just uh, seems to be on, under pressure almost every single time last uh, week against A&T, and that would result in either him getting intercepted or sacked. Uh, and he just needs to... to uh, uh, um, what I think is that uh, the coach McCray needs to uh, find uh, some offensive linemen uh, that you know fit well together. Yeah, and what, yeah, last week, actually, um, Tyrell was sacked six times in the game against A&T. 13 knockdowns and was forced to drop back a lot, actually. And like you said, this offensive line is very young, and it's well, offensive line is one of the hardest things to keep up with in the depth chart. Like they're the they're part of the team that will get injured easily, and that they're hard to replace most of the time. So that's one thing Gardner Webb's weaknesses. Another thing is the run is stopping the passing game. And yes, we've lost Chad Jeter, who was our strong point in that. And, and honestly, our, to me, the defense, the linebackers are probably the best one because the front end of the defense has struggled tremendously. So I think Tyrell's, like I said last year, Tyrell's got to um, get his passing game up better because people know Tyrell's a runner and they're going to, he's not going to be able to run the ball a lot in a lot of these games. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Gardner Webb takes on this Wyoming defense who struggled against Iowa, but yet. They've still got a couple of defensive stars on that team. And so, college football, thoughts on what are um, thoughts on week one that passed over? Week two's beginning. Hurricane Irma's already forced a lot of games in Florida to be canceled. So, before we get to week two, what are your thoughts on week one for college football? Um, well, for, for, for me, I felt like they could try to rich our appetite a little bit with games such as Alabama and Florida State and Michigan and uh, Florida. And in some parts, they succeeded. In some parts, not so much. Because uh, Florida had uh, 10 players suspended for the first uh, game. And uh, Michigan, that just pretty much inspired them to roll all over the Gators. Meanwhile, for Alabama and Florida State, you would expect this to be a very close game. However, their quarterback, uh, Frank Coe, is out for the season now. Uh, uh, and uh, that just caused Alabama to uh, take advantage. Uh, Nick Saban is just an inspiring coach. He uh, took uh, control of uh, the situation, and Alabama just ended up winning it big. Yes. I think Francois' injury hurts Florida State's chances a lot. I think they were overrated coming into the season, ranked third in the preseason poll. That was supposed to be the game of the year, right out in week one. You're playing in a fantastic new building down in Atlanta that I have the opportunity to go see on Sunday. But... I think this happens in college football every year. You have a couple games hyped up and hyped up and hyped up, and they never live up to what they're supposed to be. I think when it comes to Florida State, lots of talent, lots of questions on the offensive line. Francois gets hit a lot. (laughs) Alabama should roll through the season. Alabama's going to be in that Final Four as they are every year. I guarantee you they will be too. Nick Saban, it doesn't matter how young the team is. He knows how to up that team up despite how young and – Honestly, that's why we see Alabama do well every year. There's no question to it. Nick Saban is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And my thoughts on week one, something told me Alabama and Florida State was not going to be the game of the year like everyone was hyping it up to me to be. I just I get that feeling because every time they, they hype a game like that up, when they're playing Alabama, Alabama always seems to outdo that opponent big time. So to me, week one was pretty impressive. I think a game that was underlooked was Georgia Tech and Tennessee going into two overtimes where – Georgia Tech came back out on top, ended up upsetting Tennessee, and then the Virginia Tech game against West Virginia. I thought that was really good. UCLA and Texas A&M, and so I'll talk about that. Hold on, let's talk about the greatest comeback in college football yes. history. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm I'm the person who was watching another game, kind of keep <laughs> kept up with it on my phone, and before you know it, my phone's blowing up from a million different people. Um, sources and some of those people I have connections with in New Orleans, with the NFL, and et cetera, et cetera. 
are you watching this? Are you watching this? No, I'm not watching this. What's going on? <laughs> the game was over, you know? Yeah. And not that I switched the channel, but I wasn't watching the game. I'm seeing Twitter and seeing <laughs> score updates. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's fine. And we were watching the Virginia Tech game. And before you know it, my phone just... Bzz, 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 bzz. So what is going on? And what do you know? I'm, I can't speak of it because I, I didn't see it. All I saw was the fake spike at the end. <laughs> but the Falcons blow this 25-point lead, and A&M goes and blows a 27-point lead. Actually, it's more like a 34-point yeah, Something like that. 20, I know it was 27 points in the fourth quarter, and it was, it was insane. It's it was 27 unanswered. And to see that happen... Was just amazing. It was incredible. Forty-four to ten at one point, and you see Josh Rosen let took this team, and that's why I'm telling you, Josh Rosen is a great QB for UCLA. In my opinion, he's going to be considered definitely top ten of the best QBs to ever play at UCLA. But week two coming up now, of course, like we said, Florida State um, QB Frank Hoist is out, and their true freshman James Blackman will come into play, and it will be the first true freshman they have, they've played in a good while. And also UGA QB Jacob Easton out in the game against Notre Dame, and their backup, James, not James Fromm, whoo, Jacob Fromm to play. And games canceled in Florida, of course. Now, talking about week th- thoughts on week two, what, what do we expect to see here? Well, a lot of good ranked games coming in, games that are going to be looking great. They obviously have uh, some uh, more games too. I guess excited. They uh, have Penn State and Pittsburgh. Um, they have uh, Auburn and Clemson, and quite possibly the biggest uh, game this week is Oklahoma and Ohio State. So obviously we can expect just about anything at this point yes. because for the Sooners and the Buckeyes, we're gonna have a, a battle of two elite quarterbacks who are likely gonna be first round draft yes. picks. And we've also got um, Stanford and USC, who everyone keeps underlooking. I think that's gonna be a great game too. You look at Stanford's offense and USC's offense. Now, whether or not USC struggles like they did against Western Michigan, which was a shocker to people, because Western Michigan lost a lot of players to the draft last year. So, honestly, it'll be interesting to see what the QB Sam Darnell does and how they, how they take on against Stanford, honestly. Stanford, they only played Rice. They haven't played any. This will be their first true test, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Moving on to Major League Baseball. Now, the Red Sox and Yankees, they're one of the biggest rivals in sports history, depth for sure. Well, look, the fans are at each other's throats once more, what's what's new, but there's a big reason. Apparently, when the Red Sox played the Yankees a week ago, they were accused of cheating against the Yankees by using um, their Apple Watch to record signs and plays being made by the coaches and the catcher. And the Yankees found out about that, and the Red Sox were reported. So MLB investigated, turns out, Red Sox admitted to it, but then they also point fingers at the Yankees, say, telling they were had cameras pointing at them as well to copy their plays. And so both of them filed complaints at each other, and no decision has been made. But what is your take on the topic? Brendan, we'll go with you first. I think it's really funny the way the rules are written in the MLB. You can steal signs as long as you don't use technology. <laughs> now, at the end of the day, aren't we all taught it? As kids, cheating is cheating. Yeah. So, yes, you can steal signs, but you can only cheat if you don't cheat using technology. I think it's just, it's a funny, it's humorous to see that. At the end of the day, this is as simple as it gets. They stole signs, but there was an Apple Watch being worn in the dugout. Hmm. Whether that was on purpose or whether some, let's be honest, how many times do we forget to turn our phones off or take an (laughs) Apple Watch off? Exactly. And, of course, it's the one day, oh, man, I forgot. My Apple Watch, still on my wrist. And then the Red Sox come and accuse the Yankees, yes, obviously being the Yankees network up in New York, having cameras pointed at the dugout. Will, you weren't ran cameras. I've ran cameras. I see camera angles on my screen all the time because that's how it is as a commentator. Nine times out of ten, you're going to have a camera pointed at a certain player in the dugout. Mm Mm-hmm. Or a coach in the dugout. And I think this is just a big old... Mom. Mom. <laughs> the Yankees the Yankees cheated. And the Yankees go, no, Mom. It was the Red Sox first. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. At the end of the day, I don't know. Does it matter? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it matters. Maybe it doesn't. 
again, big rivalry, playoff implications, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's an Apple Watch, and it's a network camera. Now, personally, I think the league office has a lot more important things to do <laughs> than worry about something like than that. to worry about an Apple Watch or a camera, and then have to rewatch footage and, and all this stuff. Now, at the end of the day, if you cheated, you should be penalized. I mean, that's that's exactly. kind of common sense. Exactly. But why are we all getting worked up about an Apple Watch and a network camera? I don't know. I have no clue. Will, what's your take on this? As a Yankees <coughs> fan, but on an unbiased situation, what is your take on this? Well, I think this is actually pretty silly, to be honest. Um, because this is just a, a I'm gonna see who's more guilty. We're all pointing. They're all pointing fingers at each other. And I find it kind of uh, dumb because this could go uh, one of two ways. It could either nobody gets penalized, one or actually three uh, things. Neither of them gets penalized, one of them gets penalized, or both of them do. And it's one of those things where, like, it's hard to say. We have a lot, a lot of um, major league sports, like the NFL. You can't celebrate after scoring a touchdown anymore because you get severely penalized for that, and teams get mad and start fights. Or in Major League Baseball, like we, like Brendan just said, you can. Steal signs, technically, but you can't use technology. But whether or not, honestly, this is just a little predicament that's been turned out into a big situation. And, of course, if you cheat, like we said, you cheat, you get penalized. I mean, that's just how it goes. But to make this as big as people are making it, it's just silly to me. It's like one of those things where it's like a five-year-old, and it's like kindergartens arguing over a toy, where they're like, teacher, teacher, he stole my toy. No, Johnny stole my toy. So it's, it's one of those situations. So moving on from Major League Baseball, NFL season, it's finally here. It got started back, the football, America sport, the sport we all love. And off to a pretty good start. And like I said, story headlines are blowing up because the Patriots lost. Oh, my God. It's one of those things, if you watched the game, it seemed like second quarter on. The offense for the Patriots was out of sync. Yeah. First play of the game, Dwayne Allen, wide open. And is it a perfect throw from Brady? No. Should Allen have caught it? Yes. Yeah. But one thing that I think we underestimate, the Patriots so much hype in the Patriots this offseason. They won the offseason. They get Stephon Gilmore from Buffalo in free agency. You make the trade for Brandon Cooks. You bring in Dwayne Allen. Coney Ely was there for a little bit. You blew up headlines this offseason. That's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. A lot of new faces. The offense looked out of sync from second quarter on. Yeah. The defense could not keep up with the speed of Kansas City. DeAnthony Thomas, who I think a lot of us forget about, former Oregon standout, yeah. Heisman Trophy finalist, DeAnthony Thomas. You have Tyreek Hill, who might be the fastest football player we've <laughs> seen in years. You have Kareem Hunt, who had a, a fantastic game, rookie record for total yards in, in your debut, and Alex Smith, who I personally think is the most underrated quarterback in football. Uh-huh. Best, and, and you've, you've sat in on my show before, he's a game manager, and I've said that for a long time. Yeah. That's all, I don't want to say that's all he is, that's all he can do, but that's his role. His role isn't to go throw for 500 yards. His role is to manage the game, and have an opportunity at the end of the game to win it. Remember, going to the fourth quarter, the Patriots were up. Yeah. By one point. He manages the game and gives his team an opportunity to win at the end, given he had 400 yards. He had four touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had a 75-yard touchdown. He had another one to Kareem Hunt that went for over 60 yards. Alex Smith, I think, didn't blow people away. And people, if you were blown away by Alex Smith's performance, just pull up any of the tape from those really good San Francisco years. Exactly. And then tell me that you're blown away again because he's always been not a Pro Bowl quarterback, not an all-pro quarterback, but a very solid, above-average quarterback. I mean, I'd put him in my top probably 12 or 13 quarterbacks in football right now. Great first game. Brady struggled. Tremendously. Tremendously. A lot more than we thought given, again, no Edelman. You have a Gronk. Who had only two catches. He was shaken up yards. after the, he he had a one in the end zone that the initial calling was a touchdown. Uh -huh. He dropped it. He looked shaken up. He was not the same after that. Yeah. 
Dwayne Allen's a new piece. Brandon Cook's a new piece. Philip Dorsett's a new piece. And Mandola had 100 yards receiving, and he was the only returning receiver from that receiving core that was in that game. You cut Austin Carr in the preseason, uh-huh. which he had. He was a standout in the preseason. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. At the end of the day, the Patriots' defense didn't look like the Patriots' defense either. One thing that I think goes under the radar, look at the Patriots' defensive statistics to Kansas City statistics after Hightower left the game because of his knee injury. He has a mild MCL sprain that came out this morning. He should play Week 2. They're expecting him to play Week 2 against New Orleans. But he is the Patriots' defense. Exactly, and everyone thinks it's Malcolm Butler, which I highly disagree with, honestly, because Butler was getting cooked out there. And Brady... There was an interesting part of the game where Butler was not covering the number one receiver, the number two receiver, or the number three receiver. (laughs) He was covering the fourth receiver for Kansas City. Now, I understand how zones work. Yeah. I understand how your man coverage works and how you come out in different schemes, but why is your number one corner ever covering a receiver that I had never heard of <laughs> and I work for an NFL news network? It's, it's just crazy to me. And Brady had a lot of – Brady looked shooken up as well. And Brandon Cooks, he was double teamed. He didn't get a catch yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. I looked. He had two catches, one very early. Mm-hmm. and one that reminded me of his time down in New Orleans where he caught it, tried to make a move, couldn't, and just swooped out of bounds. That was it. Out of a guy who was seventh in the league in receiving last year. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. There's so many moving parts with this New England team. But fun fact, 2001, mm-hmm. 2004, and or 2003, pardon me, and then 2014, all years the Patriots won the Super Bowl, all three of those seasons they lost their first game of the year. Good statistic. Wow. You know what, Will? We haven't given you a chance to speak. Well, let's give you your take. <laughs> okay, so uh, this whole offseason, people have been uh, asking so many questions, like, can anybody beat the Patriots? Will the Patriots go undefeated? And, you know, it was possible, considering all the firepower they've been getting, but ever since this uh, huge loss to Kansas City last week, a bunch of new questions have been uh, go- going yeah. up. Like, is this the end of the Patriots dynasty as we know it? Is Tom Brady near the end of his career? And who knows? This might be the change. But there- I don't think you should freak out over one game. Like, Tom Brady, one bad game. I mean, the You dude- shouldn't freak out over a quarter. Exactly. The Patriots, again... I know the game was a lot closer. I predicted the game to be 35-10 New England last night. And how wrong was I? (laughs) But the Patriots had a one-point lead and control of the game going into the fourth quarter. Let's put it this way. Final score of the game, 42-27-28, whatever. You're telling me, if you would have told me the other night that going into the fourth quarter, the Patriots and the Chiefs was 28-27, and the final score was 42 to 27, 28. The, the, I would automatically oh, the Patriots just had a heck of a fourth quarter. Think about how many, that's what, three, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter for Kansas City? Yeah. You shouldn't freak out because the defense had a bad quarter and the offense couldn't move the ball. Exactly. And Alex Smith is one of those QBs that has one of those, he reminds me of Tony Romo. You have one of those great games, and then you come back the next weekend. You don't perform as well. It's He's one of those QBs. Yes, he's one of those underrated QBs who I think people sleep on, just like Marcus Mariota everyone sleeps on. But I think Alex Smith, honestly, and you know what reminds me of this? Smith saw, hey, they drafted Patrick Mahomes in the first round. They're trying to replace me. i got to prove it. I need to show exactly them. That's exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. And Kansas City, I think, was a slap in the face to Alex Smith, the guy who'd taken him to the playoffs multiple times, to trade up. Not just draft Patrick Mahomes. Yes. You traded up. For him. For him. You went from in the mid-20s to number 10 to draft a quarterback when you have a quarterback who's taken you to the playoffs, a quarterback that's had multiple 10-win seasons for you. Yeah. It's a little bit of a slap in the face. Now, do I understand why it happened? Yeah, Trubisky goes early. 
And then the rumor was, and, and rumors straight from sources I know in the, in the draft, the war room, was that New Orleans was ready to take Mahomes at 11. Really? To be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. So if other teams knew that, I understand why you trade up for him. If yeah, that's your guy. Exactly. Everybody has their guy in the draft, right? But Alex Smith definitely feels that pressure. And did he shut a lot of people up last night? Absolutely. Yes. I think one thing that's going really under the radar, really underrated, the Patriots unveiled the banner last night. The Super Bowl banner. They had the 28-3 uh, score all over the stadium. Yeah. It was an exciting night in Foxborough. It's not like this just happened in Kansas City. This didn't happen at Arrow. This happened at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Which is a tough place to beat the Patriots at. They hadn't beat the Patriots there in nearly 20 years. The last win there was in 2000. And they go and they do that opening night on NBC, Thursday Night Football, right after the Patriots won a Super Bowl. And right after everyone considered them a major underdog and everyone just said, Patriots will blow them out, Patriots will do this. And they went in there and said, I did it. I did. <laughs> I said 35-10. I, I said it too. I said it too. I'm a bad example. And you know what's sad? Chiefs lost Eric Berry again, you know, to an injury. And that's going to yeah, be Yeah, I haven't heard hit. anything about that. It was an Achilles injury. If he tore the Achilles, he's out for the year, he obviously. He is out for the year. So. The MRI just came out. He's out. So that hurts. But, hey, dude won't come back player of the year once he can doesn't mean he can't do it again exactly i think going back to uh, alex uh, smith uh, and patrick mahomes uh, i think once uh, you're a starting quarterback who, who you've been riding behind for as long as you you can possibly remember you know, possibly has competition then that person suddenly realizes okay i need to play my butt off as much as possible and sure enough he was on fire yes he led to the chiefs to quite possibly their biggest win this season yes and it was just an incredible game for both Alex Smith. Now, Hurricane Irma has moved the Bucks and Dolphins game to Week 11, so for the first time ever, two teams get a Week 1 bye. How does this affect the Bucks and the Dolphins going into the year, Brendan and Will? Um, I say that this is going to be a big deal, uh, considering that, uh, you know, uh, natural uh, cause is, is uh, going to cause a football game to be moved. But uh, how does it hurt or affect them? Does it hurt or affect them in any way possible? Um, I guess it, it shows uh, that uh, the team, the players that you went with mm-hmm. uh, for the 53-man roster, um, you don't really get to uh, show them uh, off uh, uh, like right away. You have to wait until the, the following week, which might uh, end up uh, hurting them. It could be good to rest uh, them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you want to be able to make a statement in the first week. And... Brendan, do you have anything to say? Well, how does this affect them in any way? Well, one thing I think, obviously having a week one buy is extremely difficult. Because the buy is really there for two things. One, allow players to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Two, make, wherever it is, whether it's week seven, week eight, week five, whenever you have your buy, at, that time's for adjustments. Mm-hmm. Any adjustments you feel like you need to make after a couple weeks there. So now you don't have that. So that's difficult on a coaching staff, but I... As weird as it sounds, I think it actually helps the players in this case with how the hurricane's now moving. Mm-hmm. It's actually going to hit all of Metro Atlanta. So it's going right up instead of bouncing out like they first thought. So now you have Tampa, Miami players. You give them time to think, well, what am I doing with my family? And I think that's one thing that goes under the radar is we think about them as football players, not people. They have family. They have houses there. Now they have a week or however long, about a week and a half. To really think, okay, this is my evacuation plan if I'm leaving. Yeah. And how do I keep everybody safe? Could you imagine playing a football game? If this game didn't get canceled on for Sunday, which it, I would re- it would have been really interesting because they would have literally been playing in a hurricane. Yeah. Could you imagine trying to play a football game going, oh my gosh, my family's here. Yes. I- so I think it's a nice mental relief for the entire organization as a whole. It does hurt in a football sense. But at the end of the day, we've, we've been taught this, and a lot of people live by this, especially here in this part of the country, is it's faith family football in that order. Yes. So, though football is important to lots of people, 
Your family's more important. Exactly. Now, yeah. What, about, talking about these games, though, should... I'm sorry, Will. What were you going to oh, no, say? Like that, uh, that actually reminded me a little bit of a story. Um, this was a uh, book uh, that I read uh, mm-hmm. about, uh, Vin- about Vince Lombardi, easily one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in NFL history, and how he would motivate to his uh, team uh, before the games. And, uh, you know, he would show up, like, uh, just before the team was supposed to take the field, and he would circle around them, uh, and uh, he would say, Gentlemen, I want you to focus on three things this year. Your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. That is what motivated the Packers to be easily one of the greatest football teams of all time. Definitely a great quote from one of the greatest coaches. I'm glad you mentioned that. And But one thing that comes up to mind, should everyone on the coast, because, you know, this thing's going to hit North Carolina, South Carolina, like you said, Atlanta, Georgia. So... Should those players have the chance to go? Should those games be canceled? And should those players have a chance to get to their families and evacuate? So what do you think on that? Well, Atlanta, they're playing in Chicago this week. So Atlanta, you don't have to worry about in terms of the football team. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting because it's supposed to hit Atlanta late Monday night at this point. So a little different. The games will be over. Maybe Atlanta gets stuck in Chicago. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think we've never had to deal with something to this extent. We've dealt with now Houston and Hurricane Harvey, where there was a lot of talk about Houston. You know, they ended up canceling the last four, the fourth preseason game, their final preseason game, and possibly moving week one. That's already been in discussion. We had to deal with Katrina in 06, where the Saints played in San Antonio the entire year. But this isn't going to affect one team for that long. It's going to affect multiple cities for a short period of time. Uh-huh. That's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. I think the NFL has done the best job they can right now in at least addressing Miami. Now that Atlanta's supposed to get hit, now they can try to address Atlanta. Exactly. But the difficult thing about hurricanes, you can't predict where they're going. Exactly. Or when they're going to hit. So you're in a tough spot. But the NFL, for the first time in a long time, they got it right. Exactly. And they're doing what they need to do. And the way they Roger Goodell handled this was great. Honestly, this is one thing I agree about him. He's he made a good he made great decisions on these parts. Um, so now we're going to talk about who wins their conference this year. Um, Brendan, you made your predictions in your show from on the Butler's Pantry earlier. So I'm gonna go ahead and give and let the I let you say who you have winning these divisions. All right. So starting with the AFC, AFC North. Who do you have that? I had Pittsburgh winning that one. I believe at ten and six. AFC East. I had the Patriots at 14-2 and two as of yesterday. That might change pretty quickly, <laughs> though. All right, the AFC West. The West I actually gave to the Raiders at 12-4. At and four. I think they'll have a really good year. I think having Marshawn Lynch uh, ups their running game a ton. And the AFC South. I had the Tennessee Titans Ooh. winning that division. Um, I think that... Right now, the Titans, very underrated. You said Mariota's mm-hmm. very underrated. I agree with that. Added a lot of weapons. Yes. They still have DeMarco Murray there, as well as the former Heisman winner in Derrick Henry. So I think they win the division around 10-6. and six. Uh, My two wild cards, <coughs> pardon me. You're fine. Houston, Miami. Uh, a lot of people don't like Houston right now because the quarterback situation, Savage is young, Deshaun's young. Yeah, They have all the pieces in the world around them. They have a fantastic defense. Think about what Dak Prescott was able to do last year with a good running game and a decent defense. They're going to have a good running game, great receivers outside, and a fantastic defense. I don't care if Savage starts. I don't care if Deshaun starts. This team's going to make the playoffs. Miami, it's kind of a throw-it-out-there thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to disagree with me. I think Jay Cutler, back with Adam Gase, that was his best statistical season of his career, mm-hmm. and he's got speed outside. So a guy who might be inaccurate, throws a lot of interceptions. He's one of the last true gunslingers in the league. He's able to air it out to Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills. He's going to have a good year. And you can't forget about Jay over there, the running game. Oh, Jay, yeah, absolutely. And so, Will, who do you have in the AFC? All right, AFC North. Uh, I actually am going to go with the Steelers. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger can still go well, and LeVon Ball can uh, still have a good running game. Those two make a very good combination. Uh, and uh, ever since uh, losing Troy Polamalu, I feel like uh, the defense has somewhat been a little rusty. The last time they uh, mm-hmm. show, showed their defense, they lost pretty badly to the Patriots in the AFC title game. But I think this is their chance to, to recover. I'm going to go with the Steelers and the AFC North. AFC East. 
Oh boy. Um, I'm gonna go with the the Patriots on this one, possibly with thirteen and three. Um, I say ever since uh, their loss to uh, the Chiefs, that sort of rouses things up, and they're all all of a sudden gonna make all these different uh, changes. But I think they'll still somehow make uh, the playoffs. So let's see. AFC West. Tough it, conference in there, too. A tough conference. Uh, everybody's going to uh, work hard. But I'm actually going to go with the, the Raiders on this one because Derek Carr is a great quarterback, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has worked hard in leading this franchise. And ha- adding Marshawn Lynch, that just fuels the fire even uh, more. These, the Raider, this Raiders team, they're mm-hmm. going to uh, go someplace. Mm-hmm. And what about, finally, the AFC South? This is actually going to be a bit of a tough one. Um... I'm actually gonna gonna pick a bit of an underdog. I'm gonna go with the Houston Texans to Ooh, win the AFC I South. I like that because you have two young quarterbacks, Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson. They're both very hungry to get out onto that <laughs> field, and you have a very hungry defense as well with Jadavion Clowney and JJ Watt. They're all gonna be fired up, and I just feel like the Texans are actually gonna be the big surprise in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have the Steelers to win the AFC North. As much as it kills me to say that, but I look at an unbiased and statistical situation. I mean, let's look at their conference, the Bengals. Andy Dalton's a choker. When they do well, he starts to choke later in the year. That's where the Steelers get their advantage. The Ravens, very decent. Decent defense. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Joe Flacco's injury, whether or not he'll play in this upcoming week. But I just – and honestly, sadly, the Browns are not going to be – aren't in the talk. So, Steelers. I've got the Patriots winning the AFC East. I I think they'll be 13-3, honestly, like you said, Will. I have the. This was a tough thing for me. I, I was looking at both the Raiders and the Chiefs, but I've got the Raiders to win the AFC East and the Chiefs getting a wild card. You mean the AFC West? AFC West. Why did I say that? What on? <laughs> I'm tired, guys. Sorry. Titans winning the AFC South. I think they'll upset the Texans. Texans will get a wild card. I think it's going to be one of those situations where it's like in the NFC North when you have the Packers and the Lions who are supposed to be really good this year. It's going to be one of those things where. The Titans are going to go in and beat the Colts twice at least. More than likely beat the Jaguars twice and then beat the Texans once. It's going to be that kind of situation. NFC North, I've got the Packers winning that. This The NFC East was a tough was a tough pick for me. Um, if I had, In an unbiased situation, I was picking between either the Cowboys or the Eagles. And despite, they'll have Ezekiel Elliott week one, but... um. Whether or not he'll get to play the the other games that he's suspended from will be another story. And like like Brendan said the other day, Dak's not the guy to throw 50 passes a game. He's just not that type of QB. And whether or not he's a great passer though, and he's a great runner. He's a he's a duo quarterback. I mean, he's a very dangerous. But I'm gonna have the Cowboys win it in this NFC East. I've got the Cowboys going 10 and 6 this year. I've got Seattle winning the NFC West. I've got Arizona in the wild card. And the Falcons winning the NFC South with the... I actually got the Saints going in the wild card. I think the Saints are going to have a good year. You can't sleep on the New Orleans Saints. I think they have a great team. Their defense may be a little slap, but they've added a couple of people. Don't <coughs> sleep on New Orleans. Don't. With Brendan, who do you have for the NFC divisions? Seahawks at 13-3. and three. Have the Falcons winning the South at 12-4. and four. The Packers take the North at 11-5. and five. I think that they lose a little more... Than people think. Most talent Rodgers has had since the Super Bowl year. Yeah. Still think they struggle a little bit. The defense didn't really improve themselves over in the offseason. The Eagles going to take a week east at 9-7. and seven. The Cardinals and Saints get my wild cards. Interesting stat on the Saints. Breeze in his 11 years has only had a defense in the top 25. We're not talking top 10, talking top 25. Four times those Saints teams averaged 11 wins a season and included a Super Bowl championship. You said the defense isn't that good. The defense just has to be mediocre yeah. for this team to be good. I say don't sleep on the Saints. And a lot of people predicting a Falcons Super Bowl hangover. I am not. There's too much talent there. Losing both coordinators hurts. I still think that they end up winning the South. But don't be surprised. If Tampa Bay or New Orleans is able to sneak up into the South and end up taking the South. Exactly. And especially with the talent the Bucks have, Deshaun Jackson joining with Mike Evans to help Jameis out. It's a lot of young talent. That's yeah. my one thing I'm scared about with Tampa Bay. Exactly. And like I said, when I talked about the Saints defense, I think they're good. I just think they're still missing a couple of parts, especially in the backfield. Like you said, defense, you told me the other day, defensive back position, they're missing a lot. And they've got a couple of injuries that they're recovering and... 
I just I think the Saints are not a team to sleep on. I think you the Saints will surprise everyone this year. Will, what about you, bud? Okay, for so for the NFC North, I have the Packers. Uh, I have not seen a Packers uh, team this good like since the like what uh, Brendan says since that one year they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Um, uh, the Cow, even though their defense hasn't been all that good, Aaron Rodgers uh, looks like he's been uh, uh, even. He's been on a roll as of lately. Mm-hmm. NFC East, uh, it's going to be a bit of a weak division. I've been deciding between either the Eagles or the Cowboys. Cowboys are going to have a bit of a benefit with having Ezekiel Elliott play week one. As for the rest of the games, we have no idea. That's up to bait. But I think uh, in the end, uh, the Eagles will end up taking the NFC East with mm-hmm. a 10-6 record. For the NFC West, I actually have the Seahawks uh, winning, and I have uh, the Cardinals being a wild card. Um... Whenever you go into Seattle, it's always going to be a tough uh, place uh, to play. And uh, Seahawks are, are just uh, a young team. Uh, they're ve- they're under a very talented coach, a Pete a P. Carroll. And uh-huh. uh, I say ever ever since 2015, they've been uh, trying so hard uh, to get back into their get, get back in shape to uh, try to get back to that championship glory. And don't forget about Russell Wilson. He's been a great QB ever since coming to NFL. He's he has showed people he's capable of playing in the NFL. You can't forget about him. And lastly, for the NFC South, I actually have the Panthers uh, winning the Ooh. NFC uh, South. Now, I actually just got a notification, um, and it was Ron Rivera of the Carolina Panthers saying Cam Newton is questionable for Sunday, but he also says he's ready to roll. That proves how willing Cam Newton is to get in, onto that field. Mm-hmm. Now, Cam Newton is not really known for throwing a lot. We all know that. Yeah. But I think uh, after this offseason and after being uh, out for most of the preseason, I say this could probably knock some sense into him. And there's one factor about the Carolina Panthers that I think, I think can separate everything else. And that is their rookie running back, uh, Christian McCaffrey. I've seen video of this guy play before, and he can run circles around the entire defense. He was able to run past Thomas Davis and Luke Keckley. If that's not impressive, I don't know what is. Because Luke Keckley is easily one of the best linebackers in the NFL right now. Definitely. Now we're going to go to game predictions for week one. We're almost done, guys. Eagles versus the Redskins. Both teams have got a lot during the free agency. Redskins, their biggest one, Terrell Pryor. Eagles getting Alshon Jeffrey. Brendan guessed first. Who do you got? I have the Eagles 27-21 to 21 in that game. Ooh. I think it'll be tight. I think the whole division this year will be tight, but I think that Carson Wentz outduels Captain Kirk in this one. <laughs> what about you, Will? Okay, so Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk Cousins is a veteran in this one. People are debating whether or not he's an elite quarterback or not. Um, not very uh, much, not quite there yet. Um, as for Carson Wentz, he did did exceptional with the, the Eagles the last uh, season, even though they struggled. Um, I'm gonna go with the Eagles winning by a six in this one. I'm gonna go with the Eagles as well. And the reason I say that, despite having great players in defense like Ryan Kerrigan, the Redskins defense has struggled to stop the rushing game the last three years and. Their defense did not look that impressive to me in the preseason. But I think it's going to be a close game. Now, I'm not big on Kirk. I don't think he's – I don't. he's not top 12, in my opinion, in, the, in no. QBs. I think the guy, the man – he struggles in red zone percentage. That's his weakness, red zone. His, last year, the Redskins were 27.1% in the red zone, scoring touchdowns. 31st in the NFL. Will they do that this year? I don't know. I've got the Eagles winning 27-21. Jets versus Bills, both teams looking to surprise people. I mean, Jets picked, lost, gave up a lot, picked up a lot. Bills the same. What do you say, Will? Uh, from an unbiased situation, uh, the Jets have been uh, surprisingly hanging as of lately. They gave up a lot of people. They gave up Eric Decker. They gave up Brandon Marshall. They gave up uh, Nick Mangold, Darrell Rivas. And at the same time, they gave uh, some, uh, some uh, unusual additions like Lucky Whitehead, Morris Claiborne. Uh, they even added uh, uh, Coney Ealy, and uh, they even signed back Jeremy Curley. So this is actually a start uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the Bills, they gave up Sammy Watkins, their star wide receiver, which uh, might not be the smartest of moves. And I think that could help out uh, the Jets' uh, defense uh, in a way with uh, their new safety, Jamal Adams. I'm going to go with the Jets by, by three. Brendan? I'm going to go the opposite. I'll take the Bills by three. I'm going to take the Bills by six. So now we've got the Ravens versus Bengals. Who wins this one, guys? Um, uh, Both teams have been kind of iffy as of lately. Andy, Andy uh, Dalton has been uh, struggling. 
Uh, AJ Green, the same as well. Uh, that could be an opening for the Ravens' defense. Uh, um, John Harbaugh has been uh, debating on whether or this uh, team is ready. Um, well, not really, but um, I'm actually going to go with the Ravens on this Ooh. one. Brendan? Take the Bengals 27-14. I think the Ravens have too many holes. I think the Bengals blow them out, actually. Cardinals versus the Lions, guys. Brendan, we're going to start with you. I'll take the Cardinals. I think that both teams are poised to make a playoff run, mm -hmm. though the Cardinals have a little bit more to prove. Uh, obviously, with Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew coming back, Carson Palmer coming back after debating retirement, he's got to, he's got to prove it this year. Yeah. If this is it, why not go after it? It's going to be Larry Fitzgerald's last year, too. I think they have a lot to prove, and I think that they will make the playoffs. As I said earlier, I'll take them 28-24. to 24. Will? This is a, a tough one because Lions are focusing heavily on uh, Matthew Stafford ever since they paid him that huge contract. Uh, but for the Cardinals, uh, they uh, have uh, quite a bit to lose because uh, this is going to be Fitzgerald and Palmer's last uh, season. And uh, they're going to try uh, and go at it the best they possibly can. I think this is going to be Fitzgerald's best season yet. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm going with the Lions in an upset. I know that sounds surprising to a lot of people, but... I really, the Cardinals have a great defense, so do the Lions. I think Matthew Stafford really wants to show people why he got that huge contract extension. Plus, you look at Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. Yes, last year they weren't big threats like they could have been, but I think this year changes. I think the Lions win in an upset. Coming up, Raiders versus the Titans. Derek Carr and Marshawn Lynch versus Derek Carr and, oh wait, oh sorry, <laughs> Marcus Mariota and DeMarco Murray. Who wins the, this one, guys? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Raiders on this one. Uh, the, their offense has been uh, fueled up right now, and they mm -hmm. are ready for takeoff right now. This Raiders team is going to go uh, far places, uh, possibly the AFC title game, and uh, Oakland's just going to roll over to Tennessee. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Marshawn Lynch is going to struggle at first coming back and returning to the NFL. I think Mariota, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, very good in the red zone last year. Actually, a perfect passer rating in the red zone last year for the Titans. I'll take the Raiders, though, 35-31, Carr coming off an injury. Going to ball out, going to hit Amari Cooper twice for touchdowns. Yeah. I think that the Raiders <coughs> win this one, too, and a close one, 27-24. I think, like you said, y'all guys made my points. I can't really add anything on to that. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle versus Green Bay. It's always a great game when these two play. Who wins this one? I think it's going to be the game of, I don't want to say the year, I'll say the game of the week one. Yes. I think this is the game to watch and the game to put a nice little star next to. I think these two teams could possibly meet in the NFC Championship at the end of the year. I'm going to take the Seahawks 28-27. to mm -hmm. Eddie Lacy's return to Green Bay, let's not forget. He might not even get the start, though. A lot of question marks in the backfield. They have three or four different backs that have been competing to actually be a starter. We might see something what we saw last night with New England where everyone got touches, but there wasn't a consistent player. Yeah. I'll take Eddie Lacy to score the game-winning touchdown on a drive with two minutes left, Ooh. and I'll take the Seahawks 28-27. Okay, so both of these teams have had a bit of a rebuilding year. Um, I haven't seen Aaron Rodgers look this good for a long, long time. He's a... You're donning that to big mustache. Um, the Seahawks, however, they've been uh, making some impressive uh, plays. Uh, Richard Sherman's uh, back to lead the defense, and Russell Wilson is back to uh, lead the offense, as well as their newest additions of Eddie Lacy and with Jimmy Graham as well. Uh, under Pete Carroll, I think the Seahawks could uh, potentially go to the NFC title game, and they could potentially meet the Packers there along the way. Uh, but for right now, I'm going to go with Seattle. I'm going to go with Green Bay, and um, 21 to 20 will be my score. Cowboys versus Giants on Sunday night. Zeke Elliott gets to play this game. Giants a lot of new additions, including Brandon Marshall. Beckham hasn't been decided whether he's going to play or not. I don't know if yet. Is he going to play? He was marked as questionable this morning. All right, so whether or not he plays, does the Giants win, or does the Cowboys go one another to start and get revenge? Um, uh, I'm actually oh, sorry. I'm I'm gonna go with the Cowboys on this one. Um, the, the Giants have been struggling as of lately since Odell Beckham is uh, marked as questionable, and they have to make sure that Eli Manning stays healthy because if he doesn't, they have to bring in their backup, Geno Smith, and uh, Geno has been very struggling as of lately. Mm -hmm. I think for me, 
I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. I think the Cowboys, knowing that Zeke is not available after week one because he's got a service six-week suspension, I think they almost force-feed the ball to him in situations where he doesn't have to get the ball and you got to allow Dak to make plays. Instead, Zeke's going to be force-fed. And with that, I have the Giants winning this game by three. This is a tough one for me because you got to be unbiased in the situation and look at statistic-wise. It's a close one, I think. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Dallas wins at 17-14, barely, barely. But now Saints versus Vikings, the first Monday night football game. Brendan? You know, a lot of people have hyped this one up as the return of Adrian Peterson. I think a lot of people don't realize this isn't Adrian Peterson's backfield. This is still Mark Ingram's backfield, and Ingram coming off his best statistical season of his six-year career, over 1,000 yards, accountable for 10 total touchdowns. Last year, borderline Pro Bowl type of performance from Mark Ingram. It does not hurt to add the future Hall of Famer in Adrian Peterson, and you finally have a Joker role back again. A guy you can play a Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles type role in New Orleans and Alvin Kamara. I think the Saints' offense is loaded. I know that you're missing Brandon Cooks in the offseason. You get Ted Ginn, another speed guy. He might drop three of the four balls you throw to him, but the one he catches is an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah. The defense on the Saints' side improved second in total defense in the preseason, and that's without the former pro bowler in Cameron Jordan. He only played one game for New Orleans. When you look at the Vikings, new pieces in the backfield. You don't have Adrian Peterson. You add Dalvin Cook, the rookie. You add Latavius Murray from Oakland. Still Sam Bradford at quarterback. Obviously not the answer moving forward, yeah. but definitely a veteran presence. He actually broke Drew Brees' completion percentage record last year. Expect short throws on the offensive side for Minnesota. They're going to try to control the clock. The Saints, we know what the Saints do. They're going to be quick. They're going to score quick. But the big difference in this game, the Saints are going to actually be able to run the ball late in the game trying to hold a lead. First time in a long time the Saints have had backs with the ability to do that. Though, I think the Saints add one on late due to that run game, and the Saints take this one 35-20 in Minnesota. Well, uh, I'm going to go with the, the Saints on this one. Adding Adrian Pearson only uh, adds uh, more fuel to the running game, and that's going to help out the offense uh, quite a bit. Um, as uh, for their uh, defense, uh, they've been approved as well. Vikings haven't made as much adjustments as, uh, say, the Saints have. So uh, they're going to be struggling a little bit in their new stadium, too. I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going with the Saints as well. Last one NFL um, prediction, Chargers versus Broncos, ladies and guys. Wow, I said that. <laughs> ladies, right. okay. Ladies, oh, okay. Right. Ooh, all right. Thanks. Thanks, man. All right. No problem, man. I just thought I... <laughs> I thought I um, call y'all by your role. I'm sorry. Ooh. I'll play oh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get this last prediction before I head out of the studio. So yes, sir. We're gonna do the Broncos 28-17 in this one. The Broncos have made it a bread and butter when they've been successful with uh-huh. the ability to run the ball. So you have C.J. Anderson come back. You bring in Jamal Charles, though injury prone. A great help. And also, Coastal Carolina's running back, D'Angelo Henderson, one of the best running backs in the FCS over the last three years. Expect him to get touches early. You still have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders outside. Two great threats going deep. The offensive line still has some issues, and they return a really good defense. So 28-17, the Chargers have a couple pieces coming back. Keenan and Allen being the big one there. But the offensive line is all ready down and out for the count, it seems like. You have a couple guys on that offensive line. Actually, their third stringers coming into camp with the starter and the backup being out for the season. It's going to be hard to overcome that with a pass rush Uh of Von Miller and company. So I'll take the Broncos in this one. Well, thanks for having me, guys. No problem, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. It was an honor, man. I'm going to take the... um... I think I'll take the Broncos in this situation due to their defense. I think Rivers does well, but struggles. Throws that last intercept, interception in the end that loses it for him. Ch- Broncos. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Broncos as well. Chargers offense has just been very struggling as of lately, especially under Phillip Rivers since everybody says he's supposed to be this big, great quarterback. Um, but Phillip Rivers just hasn't been that impressive as of lately. And uh, the, the Broncos defense with Demarius Thomas, he's just been on fire yeah. as of lately. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the Broncos have signed Brock Osweiler to a one-year deal. 
So that could either make or break their offense. Uh, yeah, I agree. What, so what was your pick again? I'm going to go with the Broncos. Sorry, bud. That's all right. All right, the fi final last thing we do here, guys. This was a great show. Wow, 54 minutes. Louisville versus UNC. Lamar Jackson taking on a UNC team. Your pick, Will. Uh, I'm going to go with the Louisville. Lamar Jackson has been impressive as of lately, and he could be in contention for another uh, for another Heisman, or he could be a potential first-round draft pick. It's very possible either way. But I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm going with Louisville as well. Northwestern versus Duke. Both teams taking on each other as their first true test of the season. Who wins this one? Uh, who? This is a tough one. Um, I'm probably going to have to go with Duke in this one. I do, too. I think Duke, after showing their uh, running game last week, I think that's going to be something Northwestern can have trouble stopping. Cincinnati versus number 8, Michigan. Both two great defenses going at it. Who wins this one, Will? Uh, so ever since uh, their win against uh, Florida last week, Jim Harbaugh has the team all fired up. Um, uh, Michigan has been on a tear as of lately, and they're ready uh, for some competition. And... I think Cincinnati might give them a little bit of it, but in the end, I think Michigan will end up winning by uh, 14. I, I agree. I think Michigan blows them out. Iowa versus Iowa State. This is actually another uh, tough one, but I'm going to go with uh, Iowa. Their quarterback has been uh, pretty good as of lately, and I think they'll uh, only continue to get uh, better as the season goes on. I agree. Iowa State. I'm going with Iowa State in an upset. Oh. I think Iowa State outdoes Iowa's offense. It'll be interesting to see, but... Definitely look out for Iowa's running back. He scored three touchdowns, 116 yards, after 24 carries. Be careful. Watch out for his name's Wally, actually. Oh. Number 23, TCU, takes on number Arkansas. Rematch of last year. Arkansas won it 41-38 to in overtime. People are talking about how TCU's an underrated team. Who wins this one, Will? TCU is definitely an underrated team, even though they're ranked number 23 in the nation. And they're going to look for redemption against Arkansas ever since a huge loss last uh, season. But uh, I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs uh, to win this one. I think Horn Frogs get their revenge. Up, knock off Arkansas. South Carolina 1-0 versus Missouri. Drew Locke, who had seven touchdown passes last week against Mizzou State, takes on South Carolina with Jake Bentley at QB, who barely was able to lead South Carolina over NC State. Who wins this one, Will? South Carolina had a bit of an impressive win against uh, North Carolina State last week in a neutral field as well in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, and Missouri, Drew Locke, 521 passing yards? Yeah. That is unheard of. Um, so this is going to be a hard-fought matchup. Uh, I think it's going to be a possibly a high-scoring game, uh, but I'm going to go with the Gamecocks to win this one. I'm going to go with... You know what? I'm going to give Mizzou the benefit of the doubt. I'm Ooh, okay. I'm a, I, I like to see Drew Lockin help upset this team. Now, the 45th meeting of this rivalry, Tiger versus Tiger. Number 13, Auburn takes on number three Clemson. No Deshaun Watson, but the QB for Clemson the other day did a great job, honestly, um, knocking off the doubt from himself. And Art Auburn looking really good this year, too. Who wins this one, Will? I'm going to go with uh, Clemson. Their offense uh, has been on fire last week against uh, a Kent State uh, team. And this is going to be their first uh, true test of the season. Uh, so, uh, And uh, I've been told that Auburn's uh, defense is supposed to be uh, pretty good. Um, and uh, that's going to be a huge test uh, for uh, the people of Death Valley, and I'm just going to go with Clemson. I'm going with Clemson as well. You know, Kelly Bryant did a great job last week. I love watching him play Clemson in this one. Number five, Oklahoma versus number two, Ohio State. The game of the week, possibly the game of the year. Q QB Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma and the Sooners take on JT Barrett and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Who wins this one? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, uh, Baker Mayfield and JT Barrett, both elite college football quarterbacks, some of the best of the season, and likely Heisman candidates uh, slash first-round draft picks. Um, but I say by three, I'm going to go with uh, Ohio State because of the uh, one thing. Whenever you play in the horseshoe, it's always going to be a play a factor, and it's always going to be a tough place to play in. Despite Ohio State's great defense, I'm going with an upset with Oklahoma here Okay. Now. I'm going with this because I think Ohio State's office didn't please me against um, Indiana the other day. So, I honestly, I would love, I love to see Ohio State win this. I just think Oklahoma has a better team here. Georgia versus Notre Dame. Now, QB Jacob Easton out for Georgia. Notre Dame looked great. Now they take on a, two, a, a test at home. Who wins this one, Will? Okay, so last week I said that I wasn't very impressed with Notre Dame. And I said that they're going to start off the season with 0-1. 
and boy was I proven wrong. And Notre Dame actually put in some effort into last week when they beat Temple. So I'm going to give Notre Dame the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to have them knock off Georgia. I'm going to with Notre Dame as well. I think their offense will outdo Georgia's offense. From is a good backup QB, but not good enough to take on Notre Dame. Finally, number 14 Stanford versus number 6 USC. Who wins this, Will? This is going to be a hardly fought battle. Uh, Sam Darnold leading uh, the Trojans. Uh, Quite possibly. Um, um, uh, this USC team has been uh, very impressive as of lately. I haven't seen them this uh, good possibly since like 2005. Yeah. And uh, for, to have a 12-year drought to be not be uh, doing that well, this was during the Pete Carroll era. Yeah. And uh, to go back into that time, I say that's uh, very impressive, and they're going to make a statement. I'm going to go with the Trojans. Ooh, I'm going with the Trojans as well. I love what their offense is capable of. I think they'll outdo Stanford towards the end. With that being said, this is Real Talk Sports. I am TJ. And I am Will. And this is Real Real Talk Talk Sports. Sports. See you next week.